we're recording. Sorry. It, didn't <laughs> give a, it doesn't give like a beep. I feel like it was no, it, it just it just counts down. Yeah. So if you look away for two seconds, screwed. You're recording <laughs> you're recording all of your secrets. All of my secret plans to take over the world. <laughs> Happy New Year, Kendra. Yeah. Happy New Year to you too, Allison. And everyone else. Everyone else listening. Happy 2023. The best year of your life. That's right. That's always how it starts. <laughs> yeah. Starts that way. And then it continues that way. I'm going to keep it positive. Nice. Keeping it positive. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that turn around real time. It was great. <laughs> yeah how's your new year's resolution going what was your new year's resolution again did you say you're gonna do? i can't remember so it's great it's going great i'm living up to expectations i've decided that like i'm gonna have goals but i'm not mm-hmm. actually gonna put deadlines on them and i think that that's going to help immensely fantastic i i think that that is the healthiest way to do that right they're just on uh, a list somewhere and if i do them great I get to check it off and I get that instant satisfaction. And if not, then it doesn't matter. Because here's the thing. What's the rush? <laughs> Where are we going? Yeah. Like, y- you can get it done today or in 10 years. It's all good. Just, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, just keep moving forward. Don't go backwards. <laughs> no shame. We don't need shame for that. My New Year's resolution was moisturizing my legs and it wasn't going well. Let me tell oh, you. No. We are on currently, I think today is the 10th. Yes. Recording on the 10th. Mm-hmm. We're recording on the 10th. I have figured out a solution. So I don't moisturize after the shower, but whenever my legs feel dry, because I, I think it's the after the shower thing that I'm just not into. Yeah. So you now when I'm dry, I'm just like, you know what? Now's the time. Gonna moisturize. And, and I think it's getting better. I'm hoping I can at least moisturize <laughs> to the end of the month. <laughs> Great. It's my only goal. I have a goal. I have 2023 moisturize your fucking legs. <laughs> Great. Great. And you'll feel better for it. Exactly. They're so itchy. Why don't I do it? I know. But I and, don't. <laughs> and I know you're not going to like hearing this, but if you did it when you got out of the shower, they would stay moisturize like, longer. Moisturize longer. Yeah. Because the whole point is that you moisturize while they are at peak hydration so you lock it in you don't have to you don't have to there's no pressure but i think that is the logic behind moisturizing immediately when you get out of the shower because i notice a difference when i like put lip balm on Mm -hmm. after i get out of the shower you're right i think it's like a baby step situation like i just like go one step at a time and eventually i'll be an after shower moisturizer but currently i'm not not, but I'm still trying. Yeah, baby That's steps. All that matters. <laughs> exactly. I think you should do a scientific experiment where you moisturize one leg after you get out of the shower and leave the other one and do what you're doing with the other one and then see if it actually even makes a difference. Because if it doesn't, yeah, then screw it. But you know what it is? It's not that my leg is moisturized. It's the putting the pants on after. They For sure. Feel so sticky and like uncomfortable. More so than the itchy leg. Mm. So I'm like, what's the point? But like, no, it's it has to happen. It has to happen. Yeah. I see your logic. Yeah. I see it. Anyway. <laughs> Welcome to Welcome our movie back. review podcast. <laughs> where we talk about leg moisturization sometimes. <laughs> Welcome back. All right, you want to bring us in, Kenny? Heck yes. So welcome. New Year, new us. We are ready to hop back on the train of watching movies that society thinks we should have seen already. So the way that it works on this podcast, if you are brand new and your New Year's resolution is to check out random obscure podcasts, we here at Unseen Must Sees have a goal to watch all the movies that society tells us we are supposed to. So the rules are either myself, Kendra Timmons, or myself, Allison Busner have to have not seen the movie and are watching it for the first time to get our first impressions to figure out if the movie actually belongs on the list of things you should have to see before you die or have to see because you're a a professional in the industry or like to be relevant at parties. So Mm -hmm. we're here to answer all those questions for you. Yeah. This week we watched... Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't know that because we didn't tell you when we left on 2022, but we watched 
uh, Star Wars A New Hope, which, Kendra, have you seen it? I have seen it. Oh, you have? I have. But I saw it when I was a wee, a wee thing. Because mm-hmm. I had older cousins who were very into it and, like, mm-hmm. had it on VHS. And so I would see, like, snippets here and there. I had no idea what it was about or what the storyline was. I just knew there was a princess in it. And I was like, okay, I'll put up with the other stuff because there's a princess in it. So yeah, straight up. That's, it, it was really nice to get to watch it. I also know it a lot from pop culture. Yeah. Which is another weird thing where I'm like, I knew a lot more about this movie than I thought I did. Because it is constantly circulating through the pop culture sphere and, like, especially with the new movies, like the reboots and stuff like that. So it was really nice to see it again as an adult. Do you remember anything from it? I remember... Like, do you remember certain scenes? Yes. I remember the garbage compactor scene vividly. Oh. Vividly. Because mm, that's terrifying. It is terrifying and it was just, like, I don't know, like a different... It had so many elements. There was, like, the monster... That just disappeared, and then the walls caving in, and blah, and it was actually really cool because I had a full circle moment with that scene, like remembering it really well. And then we did a version of it on Winging It when I was on it, and it was so cool to be like, I, you know, I watched an iteration or a version of this on TV, and then got to pay homage to it That's in cool. my career later on. So it was like, so that one sticks out for me. I remember the ending scene, particularly when the spaceships are in the like tunnel yeah not tunnel but like the little indent of the death star i remember like that being very like high action packed but a lot of the other stuff just right over my head no memory whatsoever Mm -hmm. i had never seen it but like you said there was a lot of pop culture references that i was like how have I avoided this this whole time? For anyone who isn't aware of what Star Wars is, mm-hmm. basically Luke Skyward joins forces with a Jedi Knight, and there's just like a bunch of different characters, <laughs> and they're in a war, battling yeah. with the Death Star, which is this massive space station, and they're going to rescue Princess Leia from this awful character, or mysterious character, Darth Vader. Yes. We have our stars, which are Mark Hamlin, Ham, Hamill, how do you say Hamill. it? Ken, Hamill, there we go. Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher plays Princess Leia. Mark Hamill, Hamill? Hamill. Hamill plays uh, <laughs> Luke, and uh, Harrison Ford plays basically like this rogue guy who's kind of you know, not the best character, Han Solo, who ends up, you know, joining forces to save Princess Leia. And yep. it's directed and written by George Lucas, who, if you don't know what George Lucas does, he does Star Wars. So that's yeah. that's his thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had never seen it. To be honest, I thought I was going to come on to here today and be like, wah, wah, I don't like this. Yeah, overhyped. Gonna, I, when I was a kid, I feel like you're very similar. Harry Potter, check. Disney movies, check. Yeah. Pixar movies, check. This didn't seem like it would come down my alleyway and that I would be like, whoa. And even Sean said before starting, he's like, I don't think you're going to like this, babe. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to like it either. <laughs> 10 minutes in, I was like, this movie is sick. Yeah, this is I great. love this movie. It is so good. I get it. Yep. I want little action figures. I want t-shirts. <laughs> like, I'm invested and now I want to watch all of them however I do not like the way that the movies are laid out yeah presented it's confused that's confusing to me yeah when it's like this is episode four yeah right but it's it's the first movie yeah that's that that to me I feel like I'm a sequential person as you know Kendra so I want to start at one and move on to two even if this was where the like where the story began, I'd be okay with that. But yeah. I just want to move forward, not necessarily hop around and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I would say my brain wants to like keep on going forward, but I feel like as I continue watching movies, I'm probably going to get over that too. So yeah. Yeah. But I, so I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. It's I so it fun. So good. Yes. Imagine seeing that in theaters for the first time. Oh, yeah. Like, that was definitely a theater movie. Mm hmm. Even just like the opening credit sequence of like 
Well, initially, the very first part that came up, I was like, is this a PowerPoint presentation? And then it, it, then it <laughs> eased into like the big orchestral music rise and gave you like a whole preamble. Mm-hmm. Like this movie was not afraid to be overly intelligent. Mm-hmm. But then as the story got going, it was also quite accessible on like an emotional level. And like you said, like this was on the surface, like sci-fi, I agree with you, is like not generally my thing. If I'm going to lean into any part of the nerddom, it's usually on the fantasy side of things. I like I like a sci-fi because I do think it's interesting and I like the ability to use my imagination. But this movie just had all of the things that my favorite movies have. Mm -hmm. You know, the hero who's like lost everything and has to like go out and find themselves, you know, be part of something bigger. And like you said, Harrison Ford's character, like the rogue who like doesn't really want to participate and is like the badass with the heart of gold. And also Carrie Fisher playing this like badass, like just from the jump, very non-stereotypical I'm sure for the time of what you would associate with a damsel in distress mm-hmm. like it just it had all the things I love mm-hmm. this reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean yeah well this also reminded me of a lot of just basic war films a film where you know there's a maybe Mac, like Hanukkah is coming to mind but it just <laughs> happened but like a smaller group has to fight a larger group and come up with like like active solutions on how to defeat them with strategy over brute energy and there's so many good messages of like the force in general mm-hmm. cuz the idea of like being connected with everything is what gives you your strength like hello that's that's a fantastic fantastic message to like have true connection with everybody and and knowledge of what's going on around you is giving you like all the power that you need hello that's beautiful in a way you know (laughs) there are so many elements of this film that I just I I thought to myself like this has something for everybody it has Mm -hmm. your classic hero's journey like you just mentioned it has that wartime it feels like you're watching a video game before video games were like a real thing. There were love connections and there were these small like comedic moments with R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yes, C-3PO. And they were like the classic, you know, tall and because back in the day, if you think of Fred Flintstone and stuff, there's like a taller and a smaller for like a comedic (laughs) duo because they they give different things. And the taller one is usually like the stute and smart one. And the short one is like the simple minded one. And however, you know, they did the classic like you think that you're intelligent, but you constantly make mistakes. And the smaller one is the sensitive one who's like, (laughs) going for the true path and there was a lot of classic really good storytelling in here that I just I don't think never gets old for me never no yeah I agree and it also makes something like an obscure not that this was obscure but I'm sure making it at the time felt really weird yeah felt very like oh gosh what is this we're saying all these nonsensical words we're building this world it could have gone many different ways but because they grounded it in human not reality because it's it's space and like even then it's not really space because there are lots of like space rules that were not really adhered to so it was like Mm -hmm space meets fantasy but because all of the emotions were grounded in reality and things that you could relate to that's how you make stuff like this accessible Mm -hmm. I thought of so many shots being like how Mm -hmm. how did they do that because it's so easy to just kind of put a blanket like CGI these days like oh they just CGI CGI and when you watch even like Marvel movies if you watch behind the scenes it's all the green screen stuff and they're jumping Mm -hmm. off of boxes and there's an art form obviously in itself to do those AI you know backgrounds and have all those images painted but there was that shot of CP what was his name again the C3PO C-3PO and R2-D2 like in that massive sand dune. Yeah. And I was like, where is that? That's on Earth. That's on Earth. Yeah. And they went there and they shot that for real. Like, yeah. 
that doesn't happen today. And that cove of like the homes, they built that. Like yeah. Everything was real, which it, to me is, oh man, I kind of wish some of that got brought back because it's so like you saw that massive shot of the sand dune and you're just like, oh my gosh, like the yeah. oasis of, not oasis, opposite. What is the opposite of an oasis? Desert. Desert. <laughs> <laughs> the just massive desert of whatever that is, it's just so it's just so daunting in that shot. Yeah. And I just don't think we capture it to the same extent. No. CGIing everything now. No, and you can tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this movie in some ways was incredible with effects and in other ways was god-awful. Yeah. And I kind of appreciate it because you could tell they were experimenting with the technology that was existing, that was coming out, that maybe wasn't quite ready, but they used it anyway. But yeah, like I found the effects to be hit or miss. And when they hit, oh, they hit beautiful. But when they missed, they missed. What were some that missed for you? Oh, gosh, some of the creatures. The practical creatures were a hit. The CGI creatures were not good. Like, when they first arrived on... This is also the problem with sci-fi. I can't remember the names of anything. Absolutely not. Tatooine? Never will. Sure. Wherever the cantina was. Wherever that wherever that first scene took place where they first were arriving and people were like wandering around on animals some were great and some were just oh no this was not ready for film (laughs) yeah like the elephant there was i was like that's an elephant with a bunch of costume on no see i i liked that better it was more practical it was the weird like dinosaur thing where there were two like hooded creatures sitting on it and it kind of like did a shake and one of them fell off and it just it just looked very piece together and again I admire them for going for it for trying it because if they didn't the technology wouldn't advance and wouldn't improve and we wouldn't have the technology that we have now because people Mm. would have you know never never given it a shot if they weren't willing to have it kind of not work if that makes any sense yeah you need to you have to go through the process and I'm sure when people were watching it in 1977 they did not consider it yeah at all just now it just is what it is yeah I really enjoyed the lightsabers Mm -hmm. and how like one was blue and one was red and when they hit they turned green like I as much as that didn't look real yep I liked that they put thought into that. I was like, oh, like I never even considered that they would turn green when they touched. Right. I really did enjoy that. But that was also kind of like, you know. But so it was like the gunfire. It was like, pew, 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 yes. pew, 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 pew. And yeah. you're just like, I don't know. Like it was, but I, but I was able to, because it was all kind of the same level of technology that got put into the film, I was fine. Yeah. I was fine with it. It blended. You could tell that like it, it left them the ability to like genuinely have fun. Like yeah. you know they were running around those like those spaceship hallways and just firing wherever they felt like it, knowing mm-hmm. that someone was going to put in the necessary things. Like it just it took away it seemed at least to me that pressure of being really technical and being really perfect. Yeah. They didn't really have to worry about that. Like they literally were just little kids with toy guns running around. And I think mm-hmm. that that also helped with cuz like you said it had a war element of like, you know, the evil party versus the good guys or the rebels. But I think that can get heavy really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find that at all in this. Like I knew what they were fighting for. They were real stakes. They were great. But they still kept a levity because the lasers didn't cause, you know, blood, guts, explosions. Yep. Like they didn't need gore at all in this. It was just, you know, you have to assume that laser interacted with some kind of body chemical going on and that was it it was over mm-hmm. it didn't need to be gratuitous mm-hmm. so like you said could apply to many different people could watch this like a lot of people of different ages I think there was like a level of like you said there was like a lightheartedness of this film across the board mm-hmm. though, because you know when Luke's uncle and I'm assuming his aunt right mm-hmm. his aunt passed away there was a moment but there was just that moment yeah. It didn't really go further. And there was no um, body discovery, you know. No, it it, it yeah. was just he showed up and saw the wreckage and knew what happened. Like, that's all you needed. Yeah. 
Which, as, like, an actor watching this, I'm kind of like, I wished that there was, like, a little bit more of, like, he's on the ship and he stared out the window and you could tell he's thinking about his loved ones. Yeah. You know, just, like, a little bit more of, like, a mourn. Because I feel like the mourning went very fast. Yeah, they brushed right over it. They brushed right over it. But also, like, that wasn't the point of the film. The point of the film wasn't, life wasn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. People got killed all the time and no one really recognized it. In that scene that you were talking about, like that bar scene or whatever. Yes. People were just murdered and it was kind of funny how they were like, someone got shot in the head or whatever. And it was like, everyone went quiet for a second, moved on. And that's that's how they dealt with all of that in in the film. So it it makes it more fun. It does make it a lot more fun. Yeah. I really would have been upset if R2-D2 died, though, because I don't... I know. I, I don't know how that little robot was so freaking adorable. Yeah. And loving. I thought of the actor who played the gold one. I can never remember what his name. C- C-3PO. C-3PO. The actor who played him. That actor must have... Or is a genius, because yeah. he had basically no one to go off of no and there was someone inside r2d2 i do know that but there was not there wasn't any like no one he had to just remember all his lines and just know how the conversation went also i enjoyed how he was a robot like the classic robot but he had so many like because he was a human had so many human qualities yeah that made him feel more human than robot and I don't know if that was on purpose but he sold himself and he sold R2-D2 yeah so so well that actor did I feel like that actor did the job for two even though I'm not going to take away what the actor did for R2-D2 at all the burden of effort lies on the actor i think any actor in the scene with r2d2 had to know what r2d2 was saying oh yeah absolutely and there were a lot of moments in this movie where like i also thought that was cool how they world built a world in which that a humans and robots interacted seamlessly with one Mm -hmm. another and it didn't feel separated or strange and two everybody spoke everybody's language yeah. That was also fascinating, where it was like, you or know. like close. Like, some people were like, do you speak that language? Good. Get over here. You know? Like, yeah. Like, they, they all spoke multiples. And they acknowledged that was weird. And they also didn't feel the need to subtitle. Mm-hmm. Like, they really could carry on conversations with one another without it being, oh. Like, do you know what I mean? Where dialogue's really bad, where someone will be listening to someone else and being like, oh, I didn't realize you felt that way, so-and-so. And it feels very, like, like you're doing too much. Yeah. I think all of, most of Harrison Ford's interactions were fantastic. They were just yes. very, like, off the cuff. Like, no, I'm not, I don't, no, I don't want, I don't want to deal with that. Like, it, it was so casual and so well done mm-hmm. that I thoroughly appreciated that. It was interesting because as I was watching the film, Harrison Ford's character specifically, Han Solo, I was watching him and then I went, oh, I finally understand what I mean when I would say previously, like I said in Gremlins, when it came to, I think the character's name was Kate, who was the female character. Mm -hmm. She needed more. She just didn't have enough. Like, and I was kind of confused what I even meant by that because it wasn't like I didn't need to know that she had a family or like I didn't need to know backstory because I don't know I didn't know Han Solo's backstory in this Mm -hmm. if the story can go on without the character we don't need the character that's kind of how I felt because Han Solo you don't know where he came from you don't really know why he's he is the way he is but the choice is strong you feel like whether it's in the script or the actor did the work to know why he's making the decisions that he's making. And he was pivotal to the storyline. We needed him. I feel like every character in the story was absolutely important. I don't think that there was one character that we could have taken away. Even I was thinking about day players of the day. There weren't really much. Mm-hmm, no. When I was like thinking about it, I was like, even the people who, you know, said whatever just had a few scenes or something I was like okay well could you have taken those those moments and give it to someone who was in the story more like Darth Vader's sidekick there I forget what the character's Mm -hmm. name is at the moment I thought like oh could you take that moment and just give it to him no you couldn't have he like it it absolutely needed to be another person it absolutely needed to be someone who was you know like lesser than them in terms of ranking 
So you needed to create that character to create that dynamic. And so I think the character development in this was really, really well done. I didn't need to know why Harrison Ford was the way he was. I knew he was the way he was. There was a reason. He believed it. I believed it. <laughs> and it was enough. And, and, and there were reasons why he did the things that he did. Yeah. And it worked for the story. With Kate's character for Gremlins, like she literally did not need to be in that story. There was no reason for her to be in there. And I felt like that for potentially all of them, except for (laughs) the dad and the main character. I forgot what his name, Will or Bill or Billy or something like that. I feel like every single one of the characters in Gremlins, except for the Gremlins, and had like, you know, someone doing an action thing here, someone doing an action thing here, someone doing, and the movie would have been just as successful. I felt really good about actually having that. Epiphany? Yeah. Because I've been stuck on that for a while. Yes. In 2022, but it's 2023 and I've grown up. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I think everyone was really well-rounded. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. I could have used more from Princess Leia, certainly. Yeah. I think that was underwritten, but again, we're, we... That's that was the time, baby. And I think that Carrie Fisher did a great job of not allowing that character to get like absorbed into the background. Mm-hmm. Could have easily gone that way, I think, of just being like, you know, the damsel and like, oh my gosh, you're here to rescue me. And like even the lines she was given could have easily come off softer or quote unquote more likable. That that word that we love to see. Mm-hmm. women described as she did a great job with what she was given I would have loved to see more that being said I'm also not that familiar with the sequel so we might get more as time goes on yeah I'm assuming I'm assuming I think in this one if we're just doing it separately one if you're talking about like a futuristic self in which like humans and other beings are roaming around the galaxy the fact that everyone is like male and white is just weird (laughs) yeah never at any point was a realistic thing so that in itself took me out because I have a lot of friends who are BIPOC actors and they constantly get cast in sci-fi stuff because sci-fi is so liberal because the future is so you know open and and all that kind of stuff and especially years ago before we started really talking about diversity those were where these people kind of shined in 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 those spaces so I was kind of taken aback that like Star Wars the first one definitely didn't have more women and people of color no it's like they use the weird alien like the different races of alien would you say yeah I guess so from a sci-fi they use that as diversity which I was like this is not no 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 not well and then also I found that the dialogue for almost every character was really well done except I think Princess Leia yeah because she was such a badass and she wasn't like the stereotypical princess but then there were moments where she was like you come to rescue me you don't have a plan and I'm like "Mm." (laughs) she could have said that in a way that was more like okay so you came to rescue me you don't have a plan all right so I've been around this ship yeah And now I know what to do and where we're going to go. Like, that's where I wanted more of is that she wasn't a damsel in distress. So why? And she's a problem solver. Yeah. So when there was problems, instead of her being a band-aid, she should have been like, you're the band-aid. I'm the leader. And I felt like that would have been more within her character wheelhouse. So uh, like you said, I think as the movies go on, I think that is more likely what is to happen. But that didn't really make any sense to me either. Also, like, literally, she's the only woman I saw yeah. in the entire film. Like, in the yeah. whole film. Like, even when they're at, like, that watering hole. Yeah. I didn't see any women there. Like, there no. was – I was like, is she, like, populating the entire planet or all the planets? Like, how yeah. is this happening? We're like, do you not – I don't even know. Like, it was – I was so confused. Like, even at the watering hole, you don't even have any women? Why? Like, yeah. you would think that, like, why wouldn't you? But it is what it is. It's a sign of the times. You know, yeah. you're watching an older film. When? And I do think it's something they they tried actively to remedy in the reboots. I know that the newer ones, the ones that yeah. recently came out, like, the main characters are all yeah. female. Yeah. So I know that they move forward with the times. It's just, I feel like I would be, I feel like I just have to mention it. Yeah. You just have to mention it. It's a very 
to look back on it, I'm like, I can, I can buy everything. I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to just like be a fly on the wall going back in time and just like sitting there and like seeing the conversations. And if he, even if it happened, like, I don't think it even happened. I don't think anyone said anything. I think they just, I think yeah. they were just like, this is the cast. They move forward. It did. Yeah. Feel, yeah. It did feel there were elements of this movie while I really enjoyed it. And while I think it did things very well, there were other things about it that felt very like almost not super well thought through. Like you and your friends would make this in film school. Mm. and Mm. like we're just happened to have been given this giant budget and free reign to like do whatever you wanted one of the things I noticed going through this movie is that like it's always been Princess Leia in my whole life in all of pop culture not one person in this movie pronounced it Leia they all pronounced it Leah every person who called her by name pronounced it Leah and I was like what is happening so afterwards I googled it and I was like what am I insane like is this a weird Mandela effect situation and I found a clip of Mark Hamill watching his Star Wars audition and in it he details the fact that like they would have questions about how to pronounce people's names or places and George Lucas's response was whatever you want I don't care what genuinely his response was however you want to do it it doesn't matter so like there were things like that where I could feel in the making of this movie there were things that were not completely thought out and some things were which is why it's very confusing because in some aspects the world building was fantastic and very broad and like tons of detail went into it and then there were other things like that where I was like how does no one not know how to say this person's name yeah or how did it become different? Like, at what point did it switch? Like, did Carrie Fisher at some point pronounce her own name? And it changed? But I was like, this is bizarre. And there were elements of this film that felt that way to me, where I was like, it felt almost like a really high-budget student film. <laughs> yeah, but like you mentioned before, the music just yes. tied her all together, put a bow, yes. and now she's the best present you ever seen. Oh, the music in this film is a masterpiece in a way that like I don't think I acknowledge like I knew the music from this movie was famous mm-hmm. we use it at, like in theater school you use it as like a an identifier of like intervals because it is so familiar you can like instantly it, it will come to mind and like help you remind you of those things so I knew it was famous but like I don't think I ever absorbed the music at the same time as watching it and realized actually how incredible and how much more elevated this movie was because of the music and people had their own themes the music was different based on where they were what the character was doing it would be softer it would be mixed with other things like it amped up the tension and the moments of like you know do or die and the romance like this to me has been the most impactful orchestral track that I think we've watched thus far to me I agree yeah this whole time I was watching it I was like I want to watch an entire orchestra yes this would be a good this would be a good movie to go see in one of those like live music nights they do no. The only time it's silent, turn yeah. turn the audio on, but I could just watch the image and listen to the live orchestra and that's fine by me. I'm so totally good. fine with that. Yeah, like it was it was so good that at times when you're watching the film because it was incorporated so well that you went, "Oh my god, this music is fantastic." And then you yeah. it would take you out to like really actively listen and then you would go back in and then you'd come out and go what the hell who wrote this this is so good (laughs) yeah yeah it just fit so perfectly 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 speaking of after all this ooing and aahing i'm gonna make sure i credit the person for it (laughs) music by john williams Yep, masterpiece. Cinematography by Gilbert Taylor. Which, cinematography was also incredible. We talked about it a little bit with, like, the sand dunes and stuff. To be able to make planet Earth look otherworldly would have taken an incredible amount of... I guess that's part of locations as well, like, just scouting these places. Mm -hmm. Art direction, too. Yeah, and just, like, that... there, There were so many shots that were stunning. Like, Luke coming out of the house when it was, like, sunset with the two moons in the sky, and it was, like bright purple but like interspace with like how desolate small towny but futuristic like I so much talent Mm -hmm. went into this like 
this masterpiece as a whole. Absolutely. I would say, well, we'll find out. We'll go into the musties yeah. and we'll see what this rates as. But are you ready to go into two truths and one I single lie? Okay, folks, this is the segment of our show where myself tells Kendra Timmons <laughs> that two truths or one single lie. Three facts. She has to guess the lie. So let's start off. Over here. Now, George Lucas has the deal of a lifetime. George Lucas got paid $150,000 to write and direct this film. However, he believed so much in the sequel, the network didn't, he believed so much in the sequel that he said, I'll do it up for $150 write and direct, but I will have full rights to the sequel and I will also have full rights to all merchandise going forward. Okay. So, deal of a lifetime. Carrie Fisher and Mark... Ham Mill. Hamill. Yep. Hamill. Frick. <laughs> Guys, we're back. It's a tricky one. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just English. I was like trying to describe to Sean, like, I just feel like English doesn't make sense to me. But yep. that's it for a different day. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill had a three month affair during the taping of A New Hope. Carrie Fisher and Mark fell in love while they were filming. And Carrie Fisher describes it as one of the best moments of her life to film one of the movies that she is the most proud of and also to have her first love because she was 19, he was 24. She hopes that every actor, she wrote this in her memoir, she hopes that every actor gets the experience to fall in love while filming one day. Aww. Lastly, this film was inspired by Kurosawa who is the director of uh, Seven Samurai. Ah. Yeah, so I thought I should put Ooh, that in there for Seven Samurai. Yeah. So if you guys don't remember Seven Samurai is from season one of Unseen Must episode, I don't know. We watched the <laughs> film and you can listen to that episode if you like. Yep. So Seven Samurai, very similarly to this, you get thrown into just the story. Yeah. You're just in it. And so George Lucas really just loves that director in general but also just enjoyed the aspect of being thrown into the story and really wanted to do the same thing for the audience so Ooh. one george lucas deal of a lifetime Ooh. two carrie fisher and mark hamill and three <laughs> uh, seven samurai excellent i see that surprises me before you got the seven samurai sentence out of your mouth i thought you were gonna say 2001 a space odyssey because there were so many parallels and like similar effects and like shots of like spaceships coming over the camera that very much reminded me of that movie mm -hmm. and it, w it came out 10 years before this and I would argue its effects were a little better. I didn't look, see I didn't see that. So yeah. like I just basically cherry picked really qu like quickly because I just don't have a lot of time at the moment to trigger <laughs> to anybody who else is busy but <laughs> it may have and to be honest while I was watching it I felt the exact same way yeah so it could have but I, I do think that's interesting and it might mm. be one of your like throw-offs however I am fairly confident in this because I know the first one is true yes and merchandising also to the point where like he owned like people's likeness like Carrie Fisher I remember her talking negatively about that like not being overly pleased that her likeness was owned by someone else and like mm. and I think I read that article and it kind of tied into that and I think number two I think you have replaced Mark Hamill with Harrison Ford <laughs> and I think number two is the lie you are right. Because their chemistry is so good. It's Tangible. so good. Yes. It's actually a little bit of a grimmer story. And I'm going to read you a quick poem that she wrote. Okay. So Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford had an affair. She was 19. He was 33. And he was married and he had two kids. Mm -hmm. So in her memoir, she wrote, the compromise I made was not an easy thing to do. It was either you or me, and I chose you. Although far from a joker, you spoke in rye, rye riddles. I could have given you so much, but you wanted so little. I thought you might supply some tenderness I lacked, but out of all the things I offered, you took my breath away. Now I want it back. Mm, yeah. I also think I, I remember re reading at some point she said she had she wished it had been Mark like she wished she had gone for Mark over Harrison but it's that it was that classic thing of like you know that trope or that stereotype that the girls go for a bad boy and even if the kind oh, ones are, are right yeah. there you know but like the, the 
sex appeal that Harrison Ford just oozes in this film yeah. is, is just very strong. So yeah. that that's I understood why. Yes. Why? Because he fit the character very well. And Mark fit his character very well, which was like this, you know, small town boy who yeah. ends up and, and he really didn't have much sex appeal at all. He was just very much like this kid. You were rooting for him. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it changes like well, hopefully it will change as as the movies go on. But yeah. Anyways, good for you. Thanks. Starting the Again. year off right. Again, I feel like I know a lot about Star Wars considering yeah, I'm not really not really. familiar <laughs> with the actual movies. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're quite good at it. Ugh. All right. Now we shall go into those musties. Excellent. So the musties, for all the new listeners who really want to check this episode out to hear the opinions of two chicks on Star Wars. Um, <laughs> the must-sees are our rating system. So uh, it was the must-sees, and then that was too much of a mouthful. So now must-sees it is, and there's nothing mustier than a mushroom. So we are going to rate a couple different categories out of 10 mushrooms. So the categories are on the page. So that involves the plot, the character breakdowns, and the dialogue on the screen, which is the production value, the acting and the casting, and the directing. And finally, on the brain. Did this movie suspend reality for us? Did we have an emotional connection to it? Would we recommend it? And what was the message? What was mm -hmm. this movie trying to teach us? Mm-hmm. So, Allison, why don't you start us off with on the page? Oh, sure. I'll start. Okay, plot. Plot, great. I really enjoyed the plot. I liked everything that we mentioned earlier, Hero's Journey. The It felt like a classic war film. You know, you had a lot of those damsel in distress ideas, even though they weren't as classically portrayed. I enjoyed the plot thoroughly. I am disappointed I didn't see this movie sooner, so I'm going to give it a 10. Character breakdown, I'm going to also give it a 10 because, as I said, I think this was like a good depiction of every character was very necessary. I truly just enjoyed all the characters and I didn't need to know everything about them. Dialogue, all in all, I thought it was really good. I do find it quite fascinating that people can write such basic gibberish and make it come off like believable. So yeah. that is like, that is something that my brain is just like, and that's like a 50-50 thing with the writing and the performance, I feel like. Yes, it needs to absolutely. be excellent on both sides in order for that mm -hmm. to, to work. I 100% agree with you. That's why I'm not very good at it. Because I feel like I'm the type of person who needs to like totally understand something before doing it. And that's why I'm always impressed by actors who can just, just say these things like a human. Yeah. For me, it's medical stuff. I can come up with the imagination required for something like this. Yeah. For like actual scientific stuff that can be yeah. refuted, that scares me way more. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's true <laughs> that. I can I can just come up with my own terminology, sure, but the medical stuff, big time. So for, but then again, for dialogue, I felt like Princess Leia could have had, I, I just wish a female would have been on her dialogue. Yeah, it was obvious that wasn't the case. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a seven for dialogue. All right. Excellent. So your final score for this category is a nine. Nice. That's quite excellent. So for plot, I agree with you. I really liked it. Like I said, like it had that adventure style thing that I I will go for and watch a hundred times over because I just find it so entertaining and it's so endearing, especially when you want to see the people succeed. Mm -hmm. Like rooting for the underdog, all of those things were super excellent. I was missing a little bit, you know me, my twist, my like clever kind of twist. So I think for that reason, I'm going to give it a nine. For the character breakdown, I'm going to give it a nine as well. Kind of same critique. I didn't feel like Princess Leia had enough. Mm. And then for me, for dialogue, I'm also going to give it a seven because I found some things were really well thought through in terms of like how this is working and how it's not. And the force stuff was really well thought out. But then there were other things that felt a little on the nose. Mm -hmm. a little stereotypical a mm -hmm. lot of like what are you doing that for like that kind mm. of stuff which I do think has a place in here because you want to keep it grounded and you want to keep it as relatable as possible but I think they sacrificed realism in some places to put that in instead yeah and I think Princess Leia just needed more screen time in general yeah I needed to understand how a princess 
ended up being the leader of the rebels. And yeah. again, I know that there is room to expand on that in like later iterations, but if there hadn't been, like if this had been a standalone, mm-hmm. there's just not there's just not enough there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yours is an 8.33. Yeah. Yeah. On the screen, production value. Now, I was able to deal with some of the I was extremely impressed with like spe- like floating car situation like yeah, there were certain that things was that cool. I was just like yeah I was like how I just I really feel like I should watch documentary on how they film this because I'm so impressed by yeah. a lot of things there obviously were some you know technology that like we've surpassed and I always say that I'm in the present lens but the thing is I was able to forgive and it seemed almost seamless Maybe because the film quality was of the 70s and all that kind of stuff. So in terms of production value, if it was just the soundtrack, Mm. I would be giving it a 10. Yeah. And everything else on top of it, I just feel like only added. And there were some things that took it away, but not enough to bring it down for me. So I'm going to give production value a 10. We didn't even talk about costumes, but like all of those robots, it yeah. was amazing. Like the See, art costumes were 50-50 for me too. I was like, how is this stormtrooper so gorgeous? And then the rebels in this first thing are wearing vests and cargo pants. <laughs> they, didn't they look like the old uh, when we would go um, <laughs> laser tag? Yes. Really? They were going to play laser tag. I yeah, just was like, I no. don't understand how these two things don't. And then some people were wearing bathrobes. Yeah. And then other people were wearing, like, gorgeous, like, gauzy. Like, that also, to me, felt like the effects. When it hit, it hit. And when it missed, mm-hmm. it missed. Mm-hmm. But I was I was able to look past it because everything else was just so, like, especially for the laser tag scene. <laughs> it wasn't a laser tag scene, but they just looked like they were, like, the set was so impressive. The set was, was incredible. Like, yeah, so I was like, I don't really care that they're wearing laser tag uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Acting and casting. Now, this is where things get a little weird for me because I just, honestly, I just think that there are certain actors in here that were amazing. Mm-hmm. And there were certain actors that I was like, okay, yep. like I, 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 I didn't. They're here them. for the ride. Yeah, like they're they're good, but like we could have. I don't think they were necessary. I think a lot of other actors could have done a really good job. And I do definitely because I it was very obvious to me. Notice the lack of diversity and females in the in the cast sometimes I'm like okay with it sometimes I'm like okay listen it's a war story and like where are they gonna yeah we've talked about that before like yeah there there wasn't a whole lot of room for women in Shawshank Redemption in the men's prison you know yeah like I'm okay with there being no no women in that but in this I was like there like to this to me I was like okay come on like you're the leader of the pack of a lot you should have been leader of pack of this so I'm gonna give acting and casting a five yeah directing like you said there were moments that didn't hit like people saying people's name wrong and stuff like that and I think that's all in the director however he did build like a fantastic team in general so I'm gonna give directing an eight nice all right so your final score for this category is a 7.67 also, sorry, I'm going to give him a higher score because okay. he also wrote this. So, like, right. this is, I feel like because he did, no, I'm going to keep it an eight, but I would have given him less of a mark if he didn't write it as well. Like, this is fully his brain baby. Yeah, his So, mission. yeah. Anyway. And to believe in something that strongly, like mm-hmm. we were talking about in The Two Truths and a Lie, to be like, I know this is going to hit, even though it's super weird and we're trying something very different. And and people didn't believe in it. And it was an original script. Like, that's something, too, where, like, we tend to only get these big fantasy sci-fi things if they already exist in a literary format. Mm-hmm. Because someone goes, ooh, this is a lot of money. It's going to be really expensive. But because there already exists this fan base, I'm willing to take a risk on it. And mm-hmm. I just I don't think that happens almost at all anymore no which is is too bad over and over yeah because you can that's I think that's the only way you get stuff like this oh yeah is if you're willing to take the risk on it and give it a shot so I, I yeah I very cool for me for production value I'm gonna give it an eight because like I said I think some of the older effects took me out of it I will always be a practical effects person over a special effects person. Mm-hmm. And like you said, not to take away from the art that is required in those effects. I just think the practical ones are going to hold up forever versus CGI gets outdated so quickly. 
so quickly. This is a great example of that. So I think that let it down for me a little bit. And like I said, some of the costumes were not great. It was like, yeah. and maybe that was a budgeting thing. Like, I don't know what was going on in the situation because the stormtroopers are iconic. And I also did not talk about, I love the stormtroopers character development and that the stormtroopers were absolute idiots. And yeah. if you've ever worked for a corporation, you know that by the time it trickles down to that level, that tends to be what happens. And I just, the realism of that was incredible. Mm -hmm. Like just the bumblingness of, and it didn't feel cheap. Like it didn't feel like, oh, they would never let that happen. It was like, you know, they genuinely manipulated the stormtroopers in realistic ways. Mm-hmm. which sorry was a side note so for acting and casting I am going to give it a seven like you said there were some standout performances there were other ones that were a little they were fine but again it could have been anyone I think you're exactly right the lack of diversity and women in this was a missed opportunity especially on the rebel side oh yeah like if you're gonna do a story about the good guys and the bad guys have the bad guys be the ones who are like, ooh, the patriarchy, all white dudes, blah, blah, blah. And have the rebels be the ones who are like, no, women can be fighter pilots. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, like I just, I found that, like you did, a bit of a missed opportunity. And I also, but I think mine's a little bit higher because I acknowledge how difficult it is to be thrown into something like this, not know the parameters of the world, be looking at this script going, oh my gosh, what the heck is this going to look like? Having to interact with robots or completely made up languages. Like I think that in itself is like a very difficult skill set. So it brings it back up for me. And then for directing, I think I'm going to give that one a seven also. Again, to believe in it, I give him all of those props. I think it's awesome. But I think a lot of the lack of diversity and inconsistency of names and there was just some places where more focus could have been put into it and it would have taken Mm -hmm. it to the next level Mm -hmm. and again I don't love the aspect of like Carrie Fisher actively bringing to George Lucas's attention that she was uncomfortable with him owning her likeness and him kind of saying I don't care like I don't I don't don't love that I've faulted directors for their treatment of actors before so I think that has to be acknowledged and put in here somewhere as well so yeah yeah, I think I'm gonna land on a seven great for casting I forgot that Chewbacca and C-3PO seven foot two man (sighs) So I think that was a good cast. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to give it to costume anyway because they. That's true. That, again, that incredible. The Stormtroopers, Chewbacca, incredible. Yeah. And yeah. then vests and bathrobes. Then- <laughs> what happened? Budget was gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. On the noggin. Yeah. Suspended reality, suspended, 100%, was in it. I really didn't, like, when things got out, the only thing that truly got me out was the soundtrack. But in a positive way. In a positive way, because I was like, listen to what's happening right now, (laughs) because this is amazing. So, yeah, there were moments where I would go, oh, that was a cute little thing or whatever, but, like, it wasn't bad recognition. It was more... I was I was suspended more than I thought it would be because really I did think I was going to watch this. You went into this with low expectations. Super which low. Which I also the think bar is like... was the floor. <laughs> so, yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised. Mhm. Absolutely. That can also affect a viewing experience so much, and it's so wild to me. Maybe I should just go in with all of them being low to the ground, and then be. But that's the opposite of like time. everyone says these are these are the best movies ever. So it's like it's hard to do that sometimes. Yeah, I also think just like me in general, I'm the type of person who, unfortunately, when someone's like oh man like when Avatar first came oh, out yeah. and everyone's like let's go see Avatar I've seen it like six times I'm like I'm never gonna see it <laughs> like because Resistance. you're so jazzed about it I don't want to see it I'm now. never gonna do it <laughs> yeah. so that's a fault of my personality but I need to obviously work on that so well it's also nice so to be proven wrong yeah absolutely true you true know that. So for suspended reality, I'm going to give it a 10. Emotional connection. When I think of emotional connection, I think of like, if I lost this character, would I be like affected by this? As of this film, the only character I would be affected by losing was R2-D2. Every, or like and they went even, after him a little bit. They did. You and weren't I was, sure. And I was upset by that. <laughs> but like when, oh my gosh, now I forgot what his name is. Who? The, 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 the. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh. Or yeah, Ben. Obi-Wan Kenobi. When he was gone, I was like, 
I don't believe you gone. Like, because everything was so yeah. soft, you know what I mean? So, yes. like, I was emotionally soft with it. However, on the flip side, when we're talking about softness, like, was I having the emotion of, like, a good time with this? Yep. Yep. Like, this yep. was fun. This was a fun experience. So, for emotional connection, I'm going to give it an eight because I would like a little bit of a flip-flop, but that's, like, a personal – this is my score. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's a personal, personal preference. Recommendation. 10 absolutely everyone can see it whole family can see it it's a great story no one even really no one kissed there was no kiss no there was a cheek kiss that's it yep like there's which is a good thing knowing what we know later yeah this is a family (laughs) spoiler alert yeah message well i said earlier the message of the jedis which i think is a really good message for yeah. me personally like someone who you know I I enjoy like self-improvement blah, blah blah you know challenges all that kind of stuff and it feels like the mantra of the Jedi's is something that I like want to like move forward in my life with you want to be a so, Jedi I want to be a Jedi I do yeah. I want to be a Jedi so I'm gonna give it a 10 for a message as well heck yes so your final score in there is a 9.5 Mm-hmm. which I agree with you my re- reality was suspended I mean I think I have to give it a 9.5 just because of those effects and the costumes when they were there because mm-hmm. it would be lying not to I think it grabbed me in a lot of other places so that like it didn't actually bother me that much mm-hmm. but if I'm being fair I do have to acknowledge it there emotional connection I would give it a nine I I wish there had been this much more with Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah like just like like just a little tiny a little tiny bit more of a and I don't know whether that comes in with because again that mentor storyline is so classic and works so well but in order to really make that because like Obi-Wan he sacrificed himself yeah my interpretation was this will make him stronger and this will be their chance to get away so like Mm -hmm. he didn't even lose like he gave up his life for this young protege and I think for that to have been a choice I needed more out of that relationship I needed a deeper connection I needed more conversations because then I found like I have a note here that says like the Ben voice at the end was a little corny for me where like and it didn't have to be like I, I do appreciate that it was there and I did like it but I was like because they didn't establish like they never had that conversation about you know this this point of energy in Jedi is that like even when we're gone we're still here they didn't have the Mufasa factor they did not have the Mufasa factor yes that worked in Lion King like that had to be like they needed that conversation which is also hilarious because the the actor who voices Mufasa also voices Darth Vader and I think depending on which direction you watch that in it can be really it can really screw you up because I'm like why is Mufasa being so mean I don't like it (laughs) yeah Versus people who saw Star Wars first were probably watching Lion King going, this is a bad guy voice. Yeah. (laughs) Why is it being used in this this context? So, like, it it missed that slight bit more of a connection that I think would have made his death just, like, heart-wrenching. Like, a real moment. Like, I wasn't close to tears at any point in this movie. Nah. You know? But, you know, it was funny, which we didn't talk about, when he was, like, flying the whatever it was. At the end? At the end. Yeah. And then he would hear a voiceover. Yeah. Luke was like tapping his head at one point. He was like, <laughs> like, am I crazy? Am I getting the message through? And I was like, this is bad it, no. direction and bad acting yes. both. Yeah. yeah. It does. It did not land in the way it needed to. Mm-hmm. I also have a note here that says, you know, R2-D2 walked so that Wally could run. Oh, You yes. know? And like I bawled in Wally. So they were on the right track. They were mm-hmm. absolutely on the right track. I just don't think they got there so many films took from here yes even the like small little chatter voices on like those the minions like they yes sound, jenna like, said the, the same thing sound. she was like yeah. why do they sound like minions yeah because minions sound like them yeah <laughs> exactly they came first yeah. they yeah. came first would i recommend this yes 10 out of 10 i would absolutely recommend this it, it's so fun it's so it's fun so this fun. is one of those movies that like you can watch it just for a good time just yeah. for that like nostalgic like it had all of the elements that landed in movies Kendra likes yeah and I think that can probably be said for yes a lot of a lot of people Mm -hmm. for message I would give it I would give it a nine because like you said I think the Jedi stuff was really important I think the message of like knowing who you are and getting out into the world and like experiencing things is also really important It, it was it's sad that it took 
the loss of Luke's family to get him to do that. But I think a lot of us face that, like, mortality and stuff like that. But I do think I have to give it a 9 because they didn't really raise the stakes in a way that would have it land. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of keeping it light and keeping it really fun and heartfelt and, like, not like death really meant that much, I think they lost some of their impact. I 100% agree. Because even at the end when R2-D2 was like, they were like, is he going to make it? Can you repair him? He was like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll do my best. He was like, okay, cool. And just like walked off. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Peace. And same with Leia. Like her entire home planet. Was murdered. Was blown up in front of her. And like the reaction was like, no, don't do that. And I was like, this is bizarre. (laughs) Like, and again, I... I don't know how I would have done it differently because I think if you make it heavier, it loses that fun factor. So maybe that's unfair, but I I do think the messages could have been stronger if that if that was intact. But still a very yeah. still a very high score. Still very yeah. much enjoyed the movie. So mm-hmm. for that category, Allison's final score is a nine point five, and mine is a nine point three eight, which means for Star Wars as a whole, Allison gives it an 8.72, and I am giving it an 8.35. Which gives us a final score of 8.53. Hell yeah. I, and that's, I think that's right. What a great way to start the... Yeah, great way to start the year, Kendra. Yeah, the new, the new year of Unseen Musties. Mm-hmm. So, Kendra. Yes. <laughs> does this... <laughs> Does this pass the Bechdel test? For sure not. Okay. (laughs) No. They didn't even try. They didn't try. Does this pass the DuVernay test? Nope. No. Okay. Yeah. No, No. it doesn't. No, it it definitely doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. Oh, well. All right. (laughs) Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Now we get to our favorite segment, which is the day player of du jour. Yep. Where Kendra and myself get to nominate one actor who is not a small actor. There are no small roles. That's right. And we get to nominate one of the actors that probably only had about one day on set or has like a uh, lesser lines than let's say a lead. Yep. So Kendra, who do you nominate for the day player of the day? I nominate, I, there were a few to pick from, although I did, I will say I completely forgot to take notes throughout the movie for this segment. Like, it's been so long since we've recorded that I, I, like, knew I had to take notes, but I completely forgot what I'm supposed to be taking notes on, if that makes any oh, sense. Oh, oh, So, I didn't have one, and then had to think back, and there were a couple, I think, but again, like, all fairly, like, large-ish roles, if that makes any sense. But I, yeah, I ended up settling on Drew Henley, okay. who he played... I don't know what his official... I don't even know if he had a name. I think he was like Red Leader? Red... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Red Leader. So he was one of the rebel pilots at the end of the movie who like Luke knew and was friends with. Mm. Like all of a sudden they had that interaction where it was like, oh my gosh, hey, what's up? Oh, this guy's the best like flyer from our, our hometown. And I just thought it was a really nice full circle moment because at the beginning of the movie, Luke's aunt says to his uncle, you know, give him a rest. Like all of his friends have left and have joined up. And I was like, oh my gosh, they really did connect that one throwaway line to his friend. And and there was a familiarity. And I think it was really cool that that actor was able to step into that role and really feel like they had a history. Yeah. Despite the fact that we'd never heard of this person before by name or anything like that. And really had, he had a very short amount of time to become integral to the story and mm. did it very well. I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. Nice. I thought of him as well. There wasn't, in in my opinion, there wasn't a lot of people to choose from. No. And they were so, all white dudes. <laughs> yeah. So, so I chose, and he may have had more than a day, because he was in two scenes, but he was one of the actors in the boardroom scene when, like, the you know, all the commanders were getting together. On the good side or the bad side? Bad side. Em- Empire side. Okay. Empire side, yeah. And so... His character's name, because also I find Star Wars fans hilarious. They know everything. Yes. So his full name is Conan Antonio Monty, but he's listed on IMDb as Admiral Monty. And the actor's name is Richard Le Richard Le Parmentier. It's a French oh, name. Oh, wow. So there's one of the characters who kind of goes like, you're so sensitive, Darth Vader. And then he chokes 
Yeah. That guy. So the guy who's choking? The guy who got choked, yeah. Yes. I thought about that one too. Yeah, I thought he was really, like, I thought his character was really important. Mm -hmm. Because you needed him to kind of figure out the line. Because at that moment in the film, I didn't know what the echelon was of... Uh, ranking right. I didn't really know and then I figured it out like Darth Vader wasn't the top there was that other mm-hmm. character who was above him yeah. and so I was like oh like this was a really good moment so yeah I picked him heck yes um, but yeah that is that's it heck yeah we did our first episode of 2023 yeah we did and it feels yeah. good feels good to feels be back great. yeah it does hopefully y'all feel the same way <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to find us on Instagram or Twitter or Gmail, Kendra, where should they go? You can find us on social media at Unseen Must Sees, all one word. And if you have any movie suggestions or uh, just want to say hi, you can email us at unseenmustsees at gmail.com. We uh, love hearing from you and the list continually gets longer based on recommendations, Mm -hmm. which is always exciting. Yeah, and Kendra and I started like kind of a, when we first started this podcast, we started like a a list of our own and this was the last one on our list. So now we're starting Mm -hmm. to go into movie recommendations. Yeah. Next time, what are we watching? We are watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is a movie that was made in 1975. It is rated R for anyone who is concerned about that. Mm -hmm. In the fall of 1963, a Korean War veteran and a criminal pleads insanity and is admitted to a mental institution where he rallies up the scared patients against the tyrannical nurse. Wah, wah, wah. Sounds intense. Sounds, sounds a little intense. less. Sounds a little less fun than this one was. It is. Have you seen it? No. Because I have. Okay. And it will be my second time watching it. First time I watched okay. it with my dad. So <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one to watch with a parent. But anyway. Yeah. So yeah, thank you everybody for listening to our brains and mouths moving at the same time. Eat your lunch, do your homework, and come straight home. And go watch movies. Oh, you better watch your freaking movies. Okay. Have the best day of your life. Bye. Bye.